Welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. I'm your host, Bailey Miles. The Building Excellence Podcast is all about sharing inspiring stories from some of the most successful athletes, coaches, business minds, and thought leaders to help you build excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. We hope this show provides you with tremendous value. If you find the show impactful, please share with a friend and on social media, as well as subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. We would greatly appreciate it. Thanks. Now let's get to the show and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Everybody, welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. We have Coach Jay McCauley with Wofford College here with us today. So thanks for being on the show, Coach McCauley. Bailey, it's a pleasure to be on with you. Uh, I'm excited to do this this morning. Yeah. So if you wouldn't mind, just kind of give us some context back. What was growing up like for you? Uh, growing up, I grew up in Marietta, right outside Atlanta, and um, you know, I grew up in a middle-class family. Um, we kind of just had each other, three brothers. One was a twin brother who I'm really close with. I've gotten closer with my two older brothers as, as time's moved on here. They were nine and seven years older than I was. So uh, my mom was a teacher. My, my father was um, an internal auditor, whatever the heck that is. <laughs> So he was pretty tough, tough guy, tough coach, uh, drove to work an hour to and from. I, I just thought I was normal. And then you, you kind of get into life and you realize how many sacrifices he made and my mom made and was really fortunate to have the family I did. It was super competitive, went to church every Sunday, uh, lots of sports in between and you better get A's and B's, uh, mostly A's in our house. So uh, that's kind of what shaped me throughout my whole whole childhood. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about it. I know you played a lot of different sports growing up, but you you really played a lot of baseball, I think, if I remember right. But you wound up playing basketball. Why did you transition to basketball? And just talk about that experience playing sports. Yeah, my whole uh, ever since I was five, I played baseball pretty much year round. So I think uh, a few things shaped that I always, you know, looking back at it, my, my dad was my coach in Little League. And so in a strange way, it, it was it was something I always modeled myself after was my relationship with my dad involving baseball and seeing him coach. And I think seeing him the most happy he was, you know, doing that instead of his other job. And I think that that really resonated with me subconsciously that uh, I love baseball. I love playing it, but the double headers and triple headers and Georgia heat after a while ran its course and I became more in tune with basketball as I got older because my older brothers played seven, nine years older than I did. I remember going to those games and they were my heroes uh, along with my dad. So, you know, over time, I just kind of, I got better and better at basketball and I kind of got burned out with baseball, but uh, still love the Braves, diehard Braves fan and uh, love the game of baseball. But yeah, it's interesting how my life kind of shifted there. Mm-hmm. And as you look back, were there any particular experiences growing up that really shaped you outside of sports or maybe inside sports that you remember? Yeah, a few. A few. I think uh, we all do. And it's it's interesting to look back at that. Um, you know, for me, like I mentioned, my dad was my coach. So me getting into coaching, why do I coach? There's a lot of reasons, but one that just sticks out in my mind reflecting on that is just seeing my dad and how competitive uh, and how good of a teacher he was and actually how passionate he was to reach certain kids, you know, from different places and be able to motivate and deal with difficult things as we do in coaching ranks with parents. You know, he just, he seemed like a problem solver to me and a motivator and a good teacher. And so being under him and going undefeated winning championships i think that started my first drive of coaching and just my competitive spirit and then i mentioned my brothers they went to the final four at pope high school for the first time in school history and i remember my twin and i were six years old with our faces painted and i remember going to the final four and it seemed like a million people there but there's probably like 200 <laughs> uh, but cheering for them and thinking that they were just the bigger than life and man I'd love to do that one day so those things things probably shaped me the most uh from an athletic standpoint 
And then, you know, how do you deal with different difficult things? You know, I'm not here because everything just was rosy and ice cream and rainbows, but you know, I can recall not making an all-star team when I was 11 and my twin brother did. And oh, man. <laughs> I got a chance to watch him play. And I remember sitting with my older brothers and how passionate they were yelling out on the field, supporting him. And I'm over there just throwing a ball against the wall. I'm like, man, I better pick this thing up. <laughs> uh, and I remember I got a chance to go on like summer vacation, but I had no one to play with because he was always at practice. Yeah. And after that, I think I just, I kicked it into another gear in terms of what I wanted to do with my life and kind of my drive. And then uh, probably the last thing that shaped me that sticks out in my mind was I was in kindergarten. I was asked to uh, speak at a PTA conference and share my story that I had come up with. I had quite an imagination, Bailey. <laughs> and I was kind of known as a, a class clown and kind of a funny guy in my family. Uh, and I didn't think anything of it, but I got up there and it seemed like a sea full of adults and my family were out there and all these video cameras, you remember the old video cameras, the big video cameras on tripods. I mean, there was a ton of those, they're filming me and I've got to share this stupid story that I made up about a squirrel. <laughs> and so I remember getting up there. I'm like, yeah, I'm not doing this. And I walked off and it just kind of, from that point on, I was like, man, I do not like doing that. Uh, but it's funny how you're put in those positions growing up and you've got to face adversity and you got to face some fears. And looking back at that, seeing my brothers laugh and parents are like, yo, who is this kid? It, yeah. it, it wasn't a big deal at the time, but uh, it certainly shaped me, I think, as I had to face some fears of mine going in, going into my profession. Yeah, I think uh, your oldest daughter, Addie, would not have any problem speaking in front of people. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's funny you talk about those experiences. We can look back on those and we can laugh. But sometimes in the moment, those are not so funny. Like those are real intense situations where we either have to pick ourselves up or we kind of push back against it and don't really make anything of it. So uh, kudos to you for being able to kind of push through that and see that it was something that you wanted to transition out of and like, Hey, I, I gotta, I gotta pick my game up a little bit. So, um, but it is funny looking back as, as they sometimes are, are funny experiences, but not in the moment. They're not that funny. Yeah. They're so loud, you know, at the moment. And then you realize that they're not so bad. And if you just, you know, if you got a support system like I did, which you realize how fortunate you are, and then you got people that nudge you and you just kind of continue to put you in those, positions it can be pretty powerful and life-changing good or bad right mm -hmm. it reminds me when i'm in my job bailey how important it is to just nudge guys in a positive way you know to get them uncomfortable and uh so that they can have those experiences and look back at their time here man that really pushed me in the right direction yeah absolutely well transitioning into you know you kind of playing basketball in high school you know how did you wind up at uga uh, University of Georgia, for those that don't don't know. Uh, it's just one of those forks in the road in, in life. And, uh, you know, I've been very lucky in a lot of ways, but um, I thought I was going to Oglethorpe, and that's a smaller school in Atlanta to play baseball and basketball. And like I told you, my priorities and my focus shifted for my love of basketball to where my junior and senior year, we had a really good team and my twin brother was the stud on our team. And so we went to state, upset a few teams and played the number one team in the state that year that had about four division one guys. And Jim Herrick at UGA was in his second year, I think at Georgia or third. And he was recruiting the top prospect in Georgia on that team. And we were at Georgia Tech, the old Alexander Memorial Stadium and we played our tails off. And after the game, he asked if we had interest in walking on as a preferred walk on. So my older brother went to Georgia, several friends, my, my ex-girlfriend was going there. So that swayed, you know, things were just working out um, <laughs> to where, you know, I got my opportunity and I decided to go after it. So that's how I initially got there. And boy, was it a, uh, an interesting road once I decided to go there. Yeah, dive into that because, uh, you know, it's not 
so much where you get there and everything's just nice and easy and you're on the team. Talk about those experiences with uh, first with Coach Herrick and then as a transition. Yeah, I remember sitting in this old auxiliary gym next to Stegman. It was like a barn shed. Uh, now it's a lot nicer. Um, but I remember no one speaking to me for about two and a half months. And my twin brother and I would just sit on the side and wait in case someone twisted their ankle or didn't show up or had a conflict. And we maybe got in a, a game or two in the summer. This was leading into our freshman year. Uh, but afterwards, the staff would play. And the GA, the current head coach at Flagler, Chad Warner, who is an awesome, awesome coach, good Christian man, uh, was the GA. And he goes, Macaulay, come over here, play with us. And at that time, they didn't know if they were going to take another walk on, but they were going to have a couple practice players. And playing against those guys is how I was invited to be on the squad officially. So it just kind of shows if you stay, you know, disciplined and stay at it uh, day after day and you really want something, you know, sometimes you catch a lucky break. I certainly did. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the moment, though, when you you have no one talking to you for like two months, you're on, on the on the side, what's going through your head? Yeah, I, I mean, it's uh, number one, you're like, man, I'm not as good as these guys. These guys are pretty good. <laughs> and, you know, Rashad, I mean, he was incredible, like, Watching him, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to be retreat dribbling to the park <laughs> here. Uh, but you watch those guys, and it either scares you to death or it kind of motivates you. So I would stay later and just like, hey, just you know, wait your turn and you get your opportunity, show what you got. And I think that has a lot to do with, you know, my parents' foundation that they instilled in me and some of the coaches that have really helped me along the way. So And my twin brother was there, you know, so – a support system like that was really, really good. But that wasn't the only time that I had to try out. I had to do it all over again a year later, and I was one of 75 that had to stick it out. So that first process, I think, really helped me in the second year. You know, a little little anger about I got to do this over again with a new coach. You know, I've already proved myself, but uh, it certainly helped me the second go around. Yeah, absolutely. Well, one of the things, too, is you go there as a preferred walk-on with your brother. You get to be a part of the team with Coach Herrick. Um, but even in that position that you don't know if they're actually going to take another guy. So you're sitting there and there's no certainty on if you're going to actually be on that that uh, on the bench and on the team. So you have to continue to have that mindset, like, no matter what, I'm going to outwork everybody. I'm going to try to go in there and give my best effort and then, uh, you know, let the chips fall where they may. But then obviously you get to play that freshman year. What was that like playing under Coach Herrick? And then talk about ultimately, you know, why you had to try it again. So I thought I was in heaven. Jim Herrick was an incredible coach, players coach, completely committed to what he believed, never deviated. And I think the players really resonated with him. I know Rashad's probably talked to you about him, about him to you. Uh, but, you know, we were top 10 in the country got removed from our bus before going to the conference tournament and our season ended. Uh, but what I learned from him, the humility aspect, I was a young punk, thought I could, you know, do just about anything. And he really grounded me, I think. And that was looking back at it, it was huge for me to, I think, exist moving forward with the new coaching regime that came in. He had great character. He believed in what he said. Everyone really was moved by what he was said. And uh, obviously, you know, we had a lot of talented players, but, uh, you know, things moved in a different direction. And I was told probably a month after the shift that we were not going to be kept. So imagine that, that yeah. you decide to go somewhere and someone says, sorry, you know, I'm bringing a whole group of guys. And I just kind of trusted the deal and made sure our teammates that were still with the new regime knew I wanted to be a part of it. And that helped. So mm -hmm. uh, it was an interesting swing of events. Yeah. And talk about, you know, when the new coach came in, you have that uh, that meeting where they say, hey, we're not going to take anybody. And then you got to try out with, you know, 75 plus guys again uh, with no necessarily certainty of if you're going to be on the team. 
Yeah, it uh, it certainly motivated me because we left that office for walk-ons to quit right away. I said, man, forget this. And my twin brother was like, you know what? I'm tired of getting scored on by Jarvis Hayes. I'm going to go to pharmacy school. Okay. And to me, I was like, I'm going to prove this guy wrong. It's just kind of how I'm wired. And, you know, looking back on it, it really helped me that year, train harder, get in the best shape just for my opportunity. And, you know, I was committed to show our teammates and that new staff that uh, I'd be an asset for the team. So it really, you know, kind of like coaching, you got to do the dog dog days and all the difficult jobs and the walk-on uh, opportunity can be really, really rewarding, but there's some tough things you got to go through. And I think for me, that's when my passion for hoops and my belief like this is what I want to be a part of and pursue was solidified right at that moment. Yeah. And I would say, as you look back on your story, you know, there's lessons of persistence, uh, determination, uh, work ethic, obviously, and then passion. And that carries over into what you do and how you do it. And so obviously you made the team got to experience, uh, you know, the next couple of years at UGA, what were, what were those experiences like and, and how was that? It was, it was awesome. Uh, it was awesome. Now, uh, it started with, uh, the tryout going back, um, to that second regime. I remember I would sneak in and watch what the new coaches were doing. And so when the tryout happened again, <laughs> I was yelling things that they were teaching to try to get a little edge. And I'm going, you know, how pickup is, it's supposed to be pickup. I'm out there trying to take charges. <laughs> I'm yelling, like, I got your help, you know, and I'm running around screening everybody and everyone, you know, that's trying out. It's like, yo, what's wrong with this dude? Yeah. But it, it helped me, I think, show those guys that I would be an asset. And when we started practice, we had limited scholarships because of a periodic timetable of uh, sanctions. But, uh, you know, as the season wore on, we didn't have a whole lot of success the first two years. A lot of good players were signed up uh, to play in the years to come. And I had a chance to work on my leadership skills because I think I showed everybody my work ethic and my commitment to the to the program. And as young guys came in, they asked me to kind of take guys under their wings. So that was a whole new um opportunity that I had that I think helped me with my, my coaching profession. So yeah, absolutely. It went a whole lot, but uh, it helped me grow as a coach and as a, as a player. Yeah, no question about that. But one thing I do love is hearing that story about you sneaking in the gym and watching the coaches uh, and, and uh, getting, getting some of the terminology and the philosophy and whatnot, because think about, you know, getting to work with you, you're always looking for an edge. Uh, you're competitive. You're looking for an edge to, you know, to, to be the best you can be. And so how many other guys were sneaking in trying to figure out what was the edge in, in that tryout? Yeah, there wasn't probably, anyone. Yeah, probably not uh, anybody. <laughs> there wasn't anyone. And, you know, my deal was I wanted to show our, my teammates that I still cared about them. And I think I'll never forget this, but there was an injury and I was there and I was told I wasn't a part of the team. And the GA was like, all right, get a manager in. And one of the players, I think Rashad or Jarvis or Jonas said, no, no, we want Jay. And the GA started laughing. I was like, no, you guys can't have him. And they insisted. So I thought, you know, for me at that point in time, that I still had the respect of those guys and that I was on the right track. Uh, mm -hmm. So little things like that can make a big difference, you know, Bailey, even though yeah. I stunk at basketball, let's be honest. <laughs> I don't know about that. But, you know, going back to that situation right there, you know, they don't do that unless they got to see you work every single day and, and be a good teammate. Um, so it doesn't mean you have to be the best player on the team. You can literally be the guy that uh, is just going through drills and whatnot. But it talks about leadership from example, right? And you were obviously someone who was doing that. So those guys that might have been a little bit older, they respected you because of that. And they wanted you on the team because of that, because they knew that you would better them and the team and you're a great teammate. So I think that's a great lesson in itself. And it goes into exactly what you're trying to instill uh, as your, your culture at Wofford, I'm sure. So. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, uh, you know, it's validation that 
that kids need, you know, kids need validation for their hard work. And, uh, you know, if you see guys, I think that are willing to go the extra mile, you know, you can trust them in the most adverse moments, whether on or off the court. And, you know, when you see that, I think you can start really having a good team. And uh, that, that was looking back at it, those moments of the conditioning and losing and then winning, you know, and the ups and downs, you know, I think it really hardened some edges for me uh, on what I wanted to be about moving forward. Absolutely. So you, you leave Georgia, you get into coaching, you know, how did you wind up uh, actually at Wofford, right? Was your first stop out of, out of college. how did you wind up there? Yeah. Another fork in the road moment, right? Um, you know, long story short, uh, I've got a girlfriend who's my current wife, Sally. Um, you know, at the time she was a year younger. I thought I was going to go coach and teach high school and the current GA got an opportunity for a company, a startup company in June after camps and just like, you know, I can't do this anymore. And it's, as you know, it's not for everybody. And I thought I had an idea of what coaching was because I'd been around a really good coaches, but you know, you, you roll up your sleeves and you get into it. Whew, it's, it's a lot. And I remember getting a call and the guy almost sounded relieved. <laughs> He's like, uh, Jay, I'm not doing this another year. And I told Coach Felton that uh, you would love to do it. And so just like that, Felton called. And I was this close to going in a different direction uh, with my life. And so I got to stay around Athens another year or two. And my second year, uh, we won the championship, the last SEC championship in Georgia history in Atlanta with that tornado another ridiculous experience yeah. I also got a chance to get to know my girlfriend better and be around her and she got to see how hard this was to see if this was something that was going to work uh, so there were a lot of blessings I thought in those two years earning my master's rolling up my sleeves doing the dirty work and really seeing if this was for me and I fell in love with it I did my family thought I was crazy my friends I couldn't do a whole lot I'd get called out of class, you know, hey, need you here. And I'd have to make some excuse up to my teachers. Um, but it was all worth it. it. It really helped me, I think, push me to where, where I'm going right now. And Wofford was certainly another blessing along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you had that, those uh, great experiences, GA at, at Georgia. You get to be around Sally a little bit, obviously, and that worked out. But then also you get uh, kind of, experience from a coaching perspective of what it's like to be on that side instead of just being a player and obviously you want go ahead yeah and I, I was I was rooming with some of the current players the year before as a senior so then now I'm rooming with a few of those guys that are now seniors as a GA and I've got a I've got to work on that balance you know and uh that was a that was an interesting transition but I loved it. I loved doing the different things that that go into it. Felt in such a detailed, uh, bright mind that it really challenged me uh, in some logistical areas and some scouting areas and being detail oriented at all times and, and the preparation that needs to go in to be really, really confident. And so those two years helped me. And then when we won that championship, I didn't know Coach Young or Wofford from anywhere. Uh, and it just so happened that one of the all-time great coaches uh, that was an assistant uh, at Georgia knew Coach Young, and they needed a video guy for a volunteer position. So that dates me a little bit that, uh, you know, video stuff was just kind of coming out and change <laughs> of video. And uh, I had to go in there and kind of be a multifaceted assistant volunteer ga manager you name it and uh that's where i got started here at wofford yeah well another thing too going back to your story i think it's important to let people know what you want to be doing too because obviously they knew you wanted to coach and so when uh, the georgia coach knew that coach young had an opening he was willing to put your put your name out there for you and uh, help you get that and uh obviously it wasn't just basketball uh, your first job. I think I remember hearing some stories about some things you did. <laughs> so, but yeah, go into that actually. Just talk about what that first year at Wofford was like, just getting into basketball. Uh, talk about that experience a little bit. 
Yeah, went from a power five SEC school to a, a small, real small school here uh, that had never won. But the staff, I'll never forget on the interview, the staff was so convinced that they were this close to breaking through that that stood out to me. And I had interviewed at a few different spots and didn't get the job. And Young was like, I'll hire you. I want you. And he just seemed so genuine and so confident. Again, very similar. Uh, and you know this, Bailey, you, you're around people that just kind of stand out to you. Very similar to Jim Herrick in that I believed right from the get-go what he was building and where he was going. And I like being around people like that. So I step on campus. I see our roster. I'm like, really don't see this uh, going the way that everyone's talking. But it goes to show you that what you see isn't always the, the reality of the situation. And boy, when we got on the court, we had some pieces that didn't look the part. But inside, they were driven. They were tough. And it's kind of catapulted us here in the last 10 to 12 years of who we go after, why we go after them. And sure enough, I was lucky enough to be a part of the first championship that kind of set the course for Wofford, I think, uh, and what Coach Young built and that staff um, that I'm really, really proud of. Yeah, absolutely. And one of the things, too, is I think for a while there, Coach Young had been at Wofford for, for a little while, even before you were there, correct? So he, he had been there trying to build the program, right? And you talk about his confidence, knowing that he was just on the precipice of just getting over the hump. And obviously you walk in and you're like, I don't know about that. <laughs> but it goes to show those intangibles, which obviously resonate with you because that's the type of guy that you were too. Um, and so you have this amazing environment to get to learn from Coach Young. And obviously the success that he's had is people, many people know um, he's now at Virginia Tech and had a great a great run at Wofford and, and doing great things up there too. But talk about what were you learning from him in those first couple of years that really stood out to you and resonated with you? Yeah, I'll say this about Coach Young, who's, who's done a lot for me. Um, I call him the magician because, you know, we didn't have the facility that you see here. This is all because of his hard work and a lot of good players and a lot of good coaches that have been through here. Um, but the guy literally has a conviction about him, you know, a quiet confidence about him. And, you know, he always talks about doing things the right way, a first class way. And at no expense, like not gonna cheat, not gonna do, you know, not gonna boast, not gonna stick our chest out, you know, not gonna cut corners. We're gonna be tough, we're gonna be gritty, and we're gonna be, we're gonna outsmart some people. And I think we had that ingrained in our minds, staff and players, because we didn't have the best facilities at the time. And we had to be a little different. We had to be a little crazy. Uh, and, you know, when he spoke, everyone listened and believed that. And I think you saw that in our play. And you got to be consistent with that message, right, Bailey? You can't just, when things are going good. So things weren't really going good for him when I came here uh, the first time but I could still hear in his voice like, Hey man, we're going to be just fine. I know what we got coming back. I know what we're adding. And I think that's so important as a leader uh, of a program. And he's only continued that confidence. And looking back at that now today, sitting where I am, that's very hard to find when things aren't going well, or there's adversity or different hurdles that, you know, life brings you to have that conviction, I think is very contagious in a positive way. And so I look back at that and, and see a man that, uh, you know, did things the right way. He's continued to do that in every program he touches, every prospect that he brings in, I think becomes better with him around. Yeah, and obviously his conviction, consistency, and then authenticity too, just being true to who he is. and. And obviously that's something you resonate with as well too. Uh, but going back to when you start out at Wofford, you know, you were doing video stuff, you're coaching, but you're also working and you're doing some other stuff to just, just to, to be on the staff. Bailey, um, I was an accountant. I didn't, I didn't graduate as an accounting major, but I did some accounting work <laughs> from 8 a.m. to noon 
at a storage facility in town. Hopefully they don't review those books, man. I might've screwed a few numbers up, but yeah, yeah. that allowed me to, um, you know, obviously live a little bit, um, wine and die in my, my future wife, Sally with some Applebee's on the weekends, uh, Krispy Kreme too. <laughs> yeah. And then just get by, but I loved it. I mean, I had a routine eight to noon, uh, and then from noon to whenever I could get things done, I'd have to catch up. And I think that that also sharpened my skills and being able to problem solve, which has helped me later on in my career. Yeah, just whatever it takes, whatever it takes is kind of what I, I keep thinking about for you. Um, and obviously, you have some great years at Wofford. You guys won a championship, right? And then you transition, you go to Gardner-Webb next. Is that right? I did. I did. And uh, met Chris Holtman at an Applebee or uh, an Outback uh, at the Gaffney Outlets uh, exit. And he and I spoke and he was a first year head coach. And uh, at the time I was a third assistant at Wofford, not paid. And we just won the championship and I still wasn't getting a salary. So I was going to get married to Sally and uh, let's just say I needed to make some some income after about five years of not. So <laughs> it was just one of those things that I think in my career, I've been lucky enough to just kind of make the moves at the right time. And Holtman uh, knew of some people that I knew, and it was just a, a perfect kind of match for us. Yeah, so you have a great experience. And that's where I want to jump into kind of your career, the places you've gotten to go. You've been at Gardner-Webb with Coach Holtman, obviously at Furman, where I was on staff with you for that season. And then obviously with Coach Medved for a while there and really helped help build the culture at really each stop. You know, you go to Gardner-Webb, you guys are kind of building this culture and, and seeing success. You go to Furman, you're trying to build a culture and see success. When you started at Wofford, you're building a culture. And now you, you as a head coach, you're doing the same thing, like building the culture that you want to instill. Yeah. Um, so talk about, you know, maybe a few of those experiences at Gardner-Webb, Furman, and, and transition out and how all that shaped out. Yeah, it, it was interesting because I didn't know it at the time, but both of those experiences at Gardner-Webb and Furman would be new challenges in that, you know, I just, I trusted so much in what, you know, I could bring and what our coaches could bring that I knew it would, it would happen. But, you know, you add the element of a first year head coach, which my staff had to deal with me two years ago. And people don't put a whole lot of stock in that, but that takes time, you know, that takes time to get guys to get their wings a little bit and figure some things out. And I, I can talk to you about how it was different for me at Wofford compared to Chris and Nico, but, you know, going with Chris, how convicted he was, how competitive he was, how detailed he was, but he still needed to find his niche, you know, the first couple of years while growing the talent, while growing the trust of the administration and the, and the fan base. But it was, it was a new challenge for me that uh, I didn't know it at the time was probably the most difficult. And it was also a great uh, way for me to learn from, if I ever got a chance, how I would be in those situations, the do's, the don'ts, maybe what to focus on more and to realize it's tough building a program, you know? We all wanna win, we're all competitive, but sometimes you know, life's a process and you just gotta, you gotta continue to get up every morning and have that conviction that we talked about that Jim Herrick and Mike Young had. And now look at those two guys, you know, they're both really successful because they found their niche, they found their voice and they, they really are convicted in who they are and how they wanna do things. So it was a great internship for me to see both of those guys do it different ways, but find themselves along the process and uh, trying to help them during that was very, very rewarding for me. Mm -hmm. And you talk about helping them being an assistant coach and really assisting the head coach. What are the things you're doing when you're on staff trying to help them build kind of the program in, in the direction that they have that vision for? Yeah, I did a clinic on this. I'm a huge advocate of uh, what you just asked me. And my deal is I've always heard, you've heard this, right? you want assistants that want to be head coaches, right? And if you are a good assistant, they don't want to lose you. 
So my whole goal was to take as much off their plate because Coach Felton, Coach Young had me do so many different things that while they're dealing with the stresses of being a head coach or trying to figure out this and that and really elevate it, that takes a lot of time off their plate. So my deal was I got to do all these little things, not to get noticed, but just to allow them to be a little less overwhelmed. And there's certain things, you know, that you can do as an assistant to make your head coach feel like you got his back no matter what and that you're always going to be there to be an asset. You're not a threat, but you're an asset uh, to echo what he's saying in the locker room and to take things off his plate. You know, examples, scheduling. Nobody wants to schedule. I'm going to be the best scheduling coordinator ever. Get us games that we're going to win because when he's when we win, he looks good, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to find the guys that what's the two, three things that Chris Holtman or Nico Meve wanted to recruit. I'm going to go find the best guys of that and sell the absolute crud out of our school. All right. And after a while, I think you gain the respect, um, you know, of the staff and everybody involved. And that ultimately, I think, helps you chip away at the things you want to get done. Yeah, absolutely. We'll talk about as you transition to Furman, how did that, how did you wind up getting to Furman? going from Gardner-Webb. Yeah, uh, like I mentioned earlier, um, just one of those doors that close and another one that opens. Um, this one was a little bit more sudden and disappointing. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of things that are, I look back and man, the championships, the people I've met, people like you I've met, but there's also a side of it that's you, you lose a tough game or you don't get a job, right? or you don't get recognized for this or that, and it either makes you better or it derails you, okay? So I was a young assistant. Remember now, coming off a championship in Georgia, championship at Wofford, we were a half game out of our third year at Gardner-Webb of flipping one of the worst programs in history uh, of the school, and certainly in the NCAA at the time, to being Big South champions. And we had won the Cancun and there was so much juice around the program and people were energized about what we were doing. And Holtman leaves to go to Butler, you know, tells us, hey, this is a risk, but I, I got to do it. It's something I can't pass up. And I go through the interview process and I don't get the job. I'm 28 years old. And you would have thought I was 48 years old of how I was looking at it. Yeah. You know? And looking back at it now, I'm 38, you know. I was crazy to think that, you know, I should have been the one, you know, uh, but I went after that's how I'm wired. I went after it. I learned a lot. I was really disappointed that our guys couldn't be coached by the staff that brought them in. I didn't understand it. It was my first taste with administration that didn't see things like I did, you know, uh, and that's no knock on their administration. It just at the time, it didn't, it didn't resonate with me of why. So I could either sulk about it or roll my sleeves up and get better. And something opened up at Furman that I didn't know Nico, but he knew acquaintances. And again, I was thrusted into a program that was not very good. As you know, where we came from at that time with another first year head coach who was completely different than I had ever been around in terms of his personality and how he did things. So it was another chapter that was going to present some challenges. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and, and talk about, you talked about, uh, you know, that experience of Coach Holtman going to Butler kind of, you know, shook things up. Obviously, the one thing too, though, is you took your shot, you're going for that job, no matter if you're 22 years old, 28 or 38, like you wanted to go after the job and you went after it um, and maybe didn't have the outcome that you wanted at the time, but it's all worked out and you used that experience for the betterment of, of yourself rather than for the negative, obviously. And so it's those things that when we hit those disappointments in our lives, it's like looking back and, and sifting through all those things and, and taking those things and helping them shape us to move forward. And obviously you did that. Uh, you wound up at Furman. What were the things that you learned from Nico being on staff with him? You talked about him being different, obviously from Coach Holtman and probably from Coach Young. Everyone's unique. But what are the, the positives attributes that you learn from him being on staff? 
Yeah, I, I think he really challenged me in different ways uh, in that he attacked a new program in terms of I'm putting most of my time and energy to not only recruiting talent to get us more talented, but I'm going to recruit the people around the program so that there's more support. It was the first place that allowed us to kind of fundraise that way. And boy, did he, he went after it and got business leaders, uh, people that were lost from the program to bring them back to try to create a buzz. So I got to see a crucial element into our profession, which is the, you know, the fundraising and the being out speaking to boosters and, you know, he was really, really good. I think at recapturing some, some positive things for that place. And, you know, he also had some different offensive thoughts that I had never thought about before that challenged me. And uh, I think uh, grew me as a, as a coach in a positive way there. So he was different in a lot of ways of how he led and how he managed and how he coached and, you know, another slow start with how we did things. But after year three and year four, I thought we, uh, we finally landed. He kind of had an idea where we really wanted to go and we took off from there. And for you viewers that know Bailey, uh, one of the best dudes of all time, I, I stumbled across you at Furman and heck of a coach. Uh, so bright, a guy that on wears his his faith and his personality on his sleeve, and uh, just being around you there for for a couple couple years was a blessing for me. And uh, I know it wasn't always pleasant uh, sitting behind me in games. I'd, I'd kind of swing my head back there and give you a black eye when I was disgusted <laughs> at a defensive possession. But uh, Bailey was instrumental for us at Furman, and. Uh, I thought provided some really good leadership for our guys on and off the court. So that definitely sticks out to me as well. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you that. I'll pay you that 20 bucks when I see you next time. So, <laughs> um, yeah. And I definitely almost lost my teeth there for a few times for sure. <laughs> well, we don't jump to the ball, Bailey, and we don't take charges. I get a little up, I get a little frazzled, but we got there. We oh got yeah, there. for sure. Yeah. And that's the thing, you know, at Furman, we'd sit, you know, I would sit behind you guys at our home games. And sometimes I'd sit at the end of the bench, depending on the, the arena layout. And so, uh, yeah, we had plenty of times where we'd go over, you were pretty much the def defensive guy. So we'd go over defensive schemes and go over the opponent's plays and you'd be sitting there and we'd watch. And all of a sudden we'd be calling out some play. It's like back screen, back screen, back screen. Our guy get back screen layup. <laughs> so that's just, it is what it is. So <laughs> yeah, I've, yeah. Tried to, I, I've tried to control that over the years and I'm getting better at it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, it's tough to watch. <clears throat> so anyway, yeah, we had a lot of good times at Furman and, um, you know, obviously you had great success there and you wound up getting a chance to go back with coach young at Wofford. Nico obviously left transition. Um, and then you get to Wofford talk about those couple years under coach young back as assistant with all the experiences that you've had and seeing, being able to watch also the success that they continued to have while you were away. Um, and then that transition into going from, Furman to Wofford and then obviously into being a head coach. Yeah, never in a million years would I have thought I would have came back here. Just just where I was kind of moving, the wind was taking me. It's funny, we played Wofford in the championship game, uh, I believe my last year there. So we had a bunch of freshmen and almost beat the number one seed Wofford. Um, and so just to think that I'd go back there was just not in the realm of possibility, but again, another, another, uh, story in, in, uh, in my lifetime that didn't work out. Right. Uh, went after the job at Furman when Nico left in season, which is blew blew me away. Didn't, I didn't, I never heard anything like that other than like football, you know, where guys take jobs and don't go to the bowl games that happened to us. And boy, was it a weird time. Uh, and so, we finished the season in a postseason tournament. I interview, I don't get the job again. And I'm just, you know, my wife and I are like, man, this is just crazy. Uh, because you want it to work a certain way, but it ain't your time. And so it's funny, two days later, I get a call from Young. He goes, I want you back. 
And again, I had never thought of that. My wife is punching me in the leg as we're driving, like, you need to take that job. <laughs> uh, because we had loved our time at Wofford, but again, it just never in my mind, I thought I would go back there. But an associate head coach position came up. We had a good team. I think they were a team that needed some toughness and some development. They had the pieces to be pretty good, I think, for two years. And we had a young point guard named Storm Murphy as a freshman. And so I decided to take it. We were, we were just okay our first year. And then right around Christmas, we beat the number five team in the country in UNC. And it just catapulted us. Confidence. We came back from Christmas. Everybody got their presents. We beat UNC. You know, everyone's just got a different swagger to them and a different focus. And we finished the year really well and then had a foreign trip that summer that absolutely bonded us in different ways that we could have imagined. And then we obviously have a magical run in 2019 in which we go undefeated and finish top 20 in the country. So, you know, at the time, you think, man, this just isn't working out. But then in hindsight, you realize, just trust the process, man. Work really hard, trust who you are, be a good person, you know, serve as many guys as you can on your team. And hopefully good things will come of that. And it certainly did here at Wofford. And boy, was it a blur after that. Uh, it's continued to be a blur, so. Yeah, well, and that's one of the things is there's a lot to unpack in that what you just talked about but you get hit with an, another opportunity to try to be a head coach and it doesn't work out. You're disappointed. You know, that's a little bit of adversity to you. Obviously you think that this is a great opportunity for me to, to step into Furman and be a head coach and, and uh, continue to build the program. And then you get to go to Wofford, the place you started at with coach young, a guy who I know you really, really respect and admire is one of the best people in the business. And you have these incredible uh, experiences in those couple of years. And then obviously, you know, Coach Young winds up taking a job at Virginia Tech. So what goes through your head when that happens? And you're sitting there like, man, uh, I'm a, uh, yeah, here we go again. I'm a Wofford. You know, you guys have just built this beautiful arena. It's a great program. The culture is, is you know, fantastic. Um, and then you obviously try out to get the job and you get it. And now, you know, you're head coach at, at one of the best colleges in the country and one of the best basketball programs in the country, too. What was that like? Uh, it was it was really cool, uh, Bailey. And I guess I'll be honest with you. I came back here with a different approach. All right. Like I tried to really work hard and do all the things I said. The other two plates, it just hadn't worked out. But I really here at Wofford uh, wanted it to be known that I wanted to be a head coach and then I, I wanted to be around Coach Young, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. He may not have, but I did. <laughs> to, to, to really see how he handles things and to offer perspective. And I really wanted him to understand, I thought, from day one that I was going to be there for him to help alleviate any troubles he had. And, you know, I think he really trusted me. Uh, and I wanted that trust. And uh, I think – those two years, I learned a ton about being prepared for that moment so that when it did happen, I was a lot more calm, if that makes sense. Uh, and people are like, really? Like, the job just opened up again. This is the third time you're trying to go after. But I just felt more secure in who I was and what I was going to do. I think the authenticity of what I was saying to supporters our team, hey, it's going to be just fine. This is my plan. Uh, I was always prepared. I was always, you know, had had belief in what I could do, but I thought I was able to express that in a lot better way based off the experiences I've had and kind of what I thought I could bring to the table. And so there was a week there, Bailey, where he got the job. We're in limbo, and I'm talking to all these people trying to get the message clear to them. And I don't remember anything about it. I mean, it was just a, not a lot of sleep and just kind of talking to a ton of people. And then I had one one hour meeting with the AD. And after that, I got a call that uh, the job was mine. And it was one of the neatest, neatest days of my career and certainly my life. 
Yeah, absolutely. And in that press conference, they got to announce Jeff McCauley uh, <laughs> to all all of Wofford and the constituents. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, uh, I think I was texting with you, you know, that's par for the course for my career, you know. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah it's, it's just I, I found that really funny and so did all the players and my family because if you know me, I like – I like humor and things not to go as cookie cutter. So, you know, it was a, it was a funny moment, uh, but one that I'll never forget having my dad there who I love to death. And he's a reason why I'm a coach, like I told you and my mom, and then my oldest daughter was there and, and Sally and to see our players there, you know, support me was really neat. So um, it was an honor to, to do that that day. And it's still an honor every day to come to this office. Yeah, well, obviously they picked a fantastic coach to to head up Wofford. But, you know, you talk about these experiences of being around first-year coaches. What was that first year like for you as a head coach? And you're trying to, you know, kind of do things probably a little bit differently than Coach Young and instill kind of your your culture and, and, and your example out there. Yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun, uh, but very difficult in that – uh, remember now things had been done a certain way for so long, long time. I, did, I didn't put a lot of you know with everything moving I, I didn't I didn't probably put as much stock into this and it's important if if you are going to be in this situation I was very lucky that the culture was already set all right for the most part yeah I'm going to put my twist on some things schematically culture wise but you know we're not going to we're not going to reinvent something here that's broken uh but what was what was interesting is that all I didn't take into account that all those players that you see there celebrating the championship, about 60% of those guys came back. And so their expectations of getting a bigger role, right? Of doing things have they've always been done can kind of get tricky. And you know, I really had to challenge some guys to be humble in some ways and really buy in. And for the most part, I was really proud of how they did those, but it was different. And then you're adding new guys that have never been a part of the Wofford uh, situation, whether recruits or staff, and you're trying to get them caught up to speed. And you assume they just know, and uh, <laughs> they don't. And so it takes time. It's a process. And I was really proud of how we navigated certain trials and tribulations that year. And I'll always remember how tough and together we were in that tournament to make it to the championship game after hitting some rough patches physically, mentally, that everyone always hits right during the year. But boy, oh boy, was our resolve really, really tight, I thought, those last week. And that was something, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. Yeah, no question about that. And as you go into that first year, you have those experiences um, you know, you, you kind of learn about yourself a little bit being a head coach, like actually being in that position. Um, mm -hmm. So all the things and the ideas that you had in your head of what you would have done, now you're doing, now you're implementing your tests and you're seeing if it's, okay, maybe this doesn't work as well as I thought I would. This is something we should try out. Um, and so you obviously had that first year and then you had, you know, the next season, which it was COVID season. So totally nuts. Uh, being in, in, in that position as a head coach, but you guys had great success, you know, last year, you know, you guys were working and continuing to build in the direction that you wanted to go, even though you had a lot of adversity and a lot of different obstacles that, you know, no one has ever navigated before. And so um, when you talk about kind of leadership and moving forward and things like that, you know, what is, what does even being a good leader mean to you individually? Well, I think it means a lot of things, but uh you know, if I could put it in simple, in a simple way, you know, God's only going to give you so much daily, weekly, every year that you can handle. And I've got to be reminded of that. And I got to remind our players that. And so as a leader, uh, you always got to set the bar at the highest level possible. You got to live it. You got to speak it daily. You got to reinforce it. Um, so that it, you know, obviously reinforces your main goals, your, your values, your mission of what you're doing, whatever you're doing, whether it's coaching basketball or doing something else. And then you got to really hold others accountable in your program uh, when they derail from that a little bit or get lost. And that's in the good times and the bad times. 
and oh yeah, by the way, Bailey, you have a life too. <laughs> you guys do. You have head coaches have lives. Yeah, so you gotta have you gotta have balance. You know, I my second daughter was born the night of my first head coaching game, and we're going through that in the first year. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot of those things personally that are going on. There's professional things going on, and how you balance that. And you can never let those guys see you sweat, as Coach Young used to tell me, all right? Don't ever let them see you sweat. And that may not go against or go with the current climate of things. Uh, but in a way, as a leader, you've got to be really consistent of not letting a bad call or a bad day show that you're just going to, yeah, I'm not, I'm not up for this job today. And no matter if you got a kid coming on the way or a, you know, two or three losses in a row and your team's just kind of losing confidence, you know, how you handle those moments is a huge leadership deal. And I think I've learned a lot about myself and our team and how to balance things. Am I, am I perfect to that? Heck no. I got a lot to learn with that, but leadership to me is how you respond consistently by setting the bar at high, at a high standard and making sure others can kind of follow that. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm glad you explained that, uh, that uh, analogy with coach young said, because he sweat a lot. So he meant you <laughs> defined it for us. So instead of physically sweating, Yeah, but you know, you, yeah, we all sweat from time to time. Thank, thank goodness. We didn't have to wear suits last year. Hopefully we can keep that up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, real quickly, cause I know I want on your time cause we gotta get out of here. Um, but you know, how do you get the best out of players? It's something that I know we talked about on staff a lot um, back in the day, but you're always trying to, to get the most out of your players. And you're always trying to find those things that make people tick to, to extract the best possible outcome. You're holding people to high standard like you just talked about, but what are those things in your opinion, how do you get the most out of your players? And then talk about you know what makes a great teammate. Yeah, I think, uh getting the most out of your players, it's more internally driven for those guys in my, in my experience. Okay. And then it, it's a matter of a coach or a staff nudging those guys because those guys ha ha have themselves and hold themselves to a high standard. Um, you know, getting those guys to do a little bit more and push them in the right direction. You know, I think, it starts with having a relationship too with, with those guys outside of basketball, they got to trust you, you know? And that's why when I got the head job, I wanted to be around our guys as much as possible. Then to be at my house, to see me for, for a different person than just a coach, right? Have an open door policy, you know, they got to be able to come and, and talk to you and not, not always feel like they're walking on eggshells around you. So Having relationships, number one, but the best players I've ever been around are the ones that are internally driven and seek coaching and hard coaching and, um, you know, pushing them in the right direction. It's the ones that aren't as internally driven that are the complicated ones, right? Mm -hmm. And that's when you really got to show them, you know, and give them confidence, I think, instead of always tearing them down. And you know me, I have a high standard for you know, production. And that's something I've had to learn probably more as a head coach is, you know, not everyone's wired or thinks like me. And I've got to help those guys that struggle with confidence a little bit and how I can, how I can get them to, to really believe in themselves and their abilities, uh, which is easier said than done, obviously. Yeah. Just having that, that kind of that high motor guy, you know, and obviously we could talk all day about the guys that what you look for, but having guys that have that internal drive, those intangibles is really key when you're, I'm sure building your culture. Huge. Yeah. Huge. So real quickly, there's a ton more that we could talk about, but, um, you know, we got a little fire round, so we'd love to kind of dive into some fire round questions. You can just answer in one word or something, the end of the sentence. So sure. you can do anything if. You can do anything if you outwork somebody, all right? You can outwork somebody and you stay true to who you are. Leadership is. We kind of touched on that, I think, but leadership is uh, raising the bar, man, to the highest standard. Mm -hmm. 
Do you have a favorite vacation spot besides the old Turner Field for the Braves? <laughs> yeah, that's that's up there for me. Favorite vacation spot is anywhere at a lake or a beach with my with my family. I can I can adapt to any place just as long as we're near some water. Mm-hmm. Uh, toughness is toughness is uh, you know it goes along with character in my opinion. Um, toughness is consistency. You know it's it's thinking differently going the extra mile, you know, pushing through pain and adversity and all that stuff. And I look for, I look for mentally tough guys more than I do physically tough guys. Cause that'll come if you're mentally tough. Uh, so that's, that's something that's a rarity in my opinion these days. Yeah. It all comes down to. It all comes down, I think to uh, your character, uh, your faith, and obviously your support system. Yeah, awesome. We're done with the fire round. One thing I want to dive into real quick is, is uh, you know, faith is obviously something that's played a role in your life. How has that helped you in the tough times and, and shaped you as a person? Uh, tremendously. And I don't know about you, Bailey, but I constantly uh, struggle with this. I'm always seeking, uh, I don't know, guidance, his word when there's bad times and not really spending as much devoted time when there's a lot of good things going on. And that's, I think in these two years as a head coach, that's something that's I've tried to get better at having a routine of being more disciplined that way. in my faith, uh, certainly very thankful for my family. That's helped me a lot and seeing my girls and wanting that for them, like it was for me in my childhood, but it's, it's a, it's an ongoing process and a, you know, a growth that I'm, I'm striving to every single day, but, you know, coach young had a lot of funny sayings and I hate to bring a Nancy Kerrigan saying into this, <laughs> and especially when it goes into to faith, but, you know, there's always a, a bat across the knees waiting for you in life. And it's how you deal with that. Right. And, <laughs> uh, you know, those moments are going to come right, Bailey, they just are. And, I think you got to lean on them as much as possible in the good times as well as the bad times so you can stay as even keel as you possibly can uh, because people are watching, you know, people are watching. And I think your reliance on that faith can get you through a lot of difficult times, you know, that are trying to pull you in all sorts of ways. And uh, obviously my faith has helped me stay pretty grounded with that. Man, I'm sorry you have to deal with that. I never have to deal with that at all. So, <laughs> so watch out for the bat across the knees, man. Yeah, be ready because it's coming eventually. Uh, so, is there any piece of the best best advice that you've ever received? Best advice I've ever received in terms of coaching or just in general? Just life, yeah, life in general, and then maybe coaching if you want to do that too. Yeah, my my mother, my mother is. Uh, a huge influence on me, like most mothers are. Uh, but she's just, she's always preaching to me to keep my faith and treat others uh, with respect and serve others. Uh, so obviously I'm in a profession that's, you need all those on a daily basis. Yeah, yeah. And I know that's a little bit more generic and cliche, but seriously, like if I can stay grounded in my faith, treat others with respect, and serve others i think i can live a pretty full day well this podcast is called building excellence what does building excellence mean to you building excellence to me is is kind of striving i think on a daily basis to get out of your comfort zone um we all got to grow in what we're passionate about some things we're uncomfortable about and stretching ourselves and our minds i think to get into those uh, dark places and good places and continue to smooth out this road that we're on. And, um, you know, for me, obviously building excellence is an ongoing pro process, but I spend a lot of time in the off season trying to evaluate myself. I ask my staff to evaluate me. I ask my players to evaluate me. And I also look to get out and do clinics and all that stuff to, to continue to grow. So, there's on the court building of excellence. And then there is the person, I think, trying to get out of my comfort zone and learn new things and uh, 
be motivated by different people and how they've been successful. Yeah. Well, Jay, you know, thanks so much for being on the show. You know, one of the things is, you know, there's no better person that anyone can work under. I would have loved to work under you as, as, as you being a head coach and, you know, you, you're genuine, you know, you're honest, you're consistent, you're true to yourself. Uh, I always admired uh, you working with you and, you know, the conversations we'd have on road trips in the office, whatever. Um, you know, it's so much fun to watch you now be a head coach, you know, um, and, and have great success at that. I'm continuing to love watching Wofford play. And, uh, you know, there's just so many things. I think the, the greatest thing about you is you just really genuinely care about people. You want to see them grow and be better. I remember being in college. I had worked the camp at Furman. I never knew you before. Um, and I think I just was in college and I just got a random call from you just to, to catch up, see how, how college was going and whatnot. And this is before I had ever decided to go to Furman and be on staff. Um, so that's just, that's just you. Um, and I just really respect and admire that. And thanks for being a great leader example to the guys that you coach. And I know your staff as well thinks the same about you too. So thanks for coming on the show and really appreciate it. Appreciate you, man. I love seeing you succeed and doing what you're doing here. This is a great vehicle, I think, for people like me to grow and, uh, and you know, every, everybody else to kind of tune in. So I appreciate your time. And I know you're surprised. I didn't get my first tee until my second year. Uh, as head coach. <laughs> so there was a, there's a lot of people thought it would take me a week, but I, I mellowed out a little bit here, Bailey. Hey, it's a process. It's a process. Right. <laughs> Hey, if someone wants to follow Wofford, you guys, uh, social media, things like that, what's the best way to do that? Yeah, go follow us on Instagram, uh, Twitter. We've always got new things going on that, you know, get you involved with our program in, you know, different ways, shapes and forms, and obviously getting to know our players. I'm really, really proud of those guys and who they are as men and as players. They represent our college really, really well in a first-class way, so – our schedules will be coming out and other other new things, but go follow us on social media and you're always welcome, you know, to hit our staff up. You know, if you got questions about our journey or how we do things, um, we're an open book here at Wofford. We'd love to have you practice games, whatnot. So appreciate it, Bailey. Awesome. Thanks, Jay. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, it's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show. And if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a five-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. Now, if you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.